Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We are thrilled to be with you today and especially thrilled because joining us today is Don Mickelson and Don is an Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker and uh, also happened to have been a client of mine. So welcome to the call, Don. It's great to see you, be with you anyway. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here and, and great to have worked with you, Jay, by the way. I've been going through my notes on a on the work that we did and uh, just being like, wow, that's some intense <laughs> stuff. <laughs> we did, did some intense work together. Oh, I yeah. know that feeling. I know that feeling. Yeah. We'll get along great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Becca's, Becca's done some intense work with me too. So nice. for sure. So I want to dive into it um, right away because uh, the the work that you do is so important, especially for all of us right now. Like even if I, as I start to talk about it, I'm starting to, get moved and uh, want to cry <laughs> because um, John's film that you're currently working on is called Risking Light. Can you share with us the premise of Risking Light? Um, and I mean, if you want to start there, that's just the first thought I thought of. I, was, I want to jump into that so people know about your film and, and we can talk about what you got you there. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, it is really timely right now. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, it, I've been really overwhelmed by how timely it is lately. Um, so Risking Light uh, is a film that follows the story of three individuals from United States, Cambodia, and Australia who have essentially forgiven the unforgivable. Um, a little bit more into those stories, the story in the United States is a mother who forgave the man who murdered her son. Cambodia, it's a man who forgave uh, his uh essentially torturers from the Khmer Rouge and Australia. It's a woman who, uh, if you can do such a thing, forgave the Australian government for taking her away from her family. She was a member of the Stolen Generations, which are uh, Aboriginal indigenous children who were taken from their families under the premise of making them white. Um, and it happened over the course of, uh, gosh, 50, 60 years in the previous century. So um, there's some pretty intense stories, but beautiful stories, because you get to see people uh, make peace with, with their past, make peace with their pain, and yeah. move forward in profound ways. Yeah, and we were just talking, you know, we, we were just talking about the election and how important it is that we get to a place of uh, dealing with it, let alone forgiving, right? <laughs> right. Like, right. We, uh, we haven't even gotten there yet. No, <laughs> like, that's, that may be a few stages. hijack right now. Um, yes. But there's so yeah. much of this that is, um, uh, you know, it's just, uh, we were just talking about, like, do we cut people off from our lives that... The, you know, obviously have a stand for something we don't have a stand for and, you know, all of that. And boy, when you're talking, when you open up the conversation for forgiveness, that's, that's, that's not even a question, right? Oh, that is so hard. I mean, yeah, it's forgiveness is such an important and misunderstood concept. And I think particularly with this election outcome and, and what's happening to us as a society, it's, it, it's something that needs to be approached delicately. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good word for um, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I think it's essential, but I also think that it's, it's a process 
and to ignore the process is dangerous. Yeah. Um, you're ignoring your own pain. You're ignoring the pain of others. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's the dangerous part. I think that actually it's interesting because forgiveness has been a controversial topic in um, people who've experienced uh great loss in terms of, uh, you know, families who've experienced murder of their children, for example. Um, because, you know, who is to tell a, a mother that their child has been killed and that she should even consider forgiving the person yeah. who murdered her child? It's, right. it's really unthinkable on, on a lot of levels. Yeah. Um, and there's pressure, I think, from our society to do just that. You know, you see stories on the news like, of these miraculous forgiveness turnarounds. And I think what Risking Light is really about is let's, let's look at one of those miraculous turnarounds, but let's see the work that actually happened to get right. there. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, that's the important part. And the forgiveness is about the forgiveness is for, for the, the victim. The forgiveness is for the forgiver. Yes. And, and yes. that's a piece that's often forgotten as well. And so if, if it's not time, <laughs> you need, only you can know when it's time for you to do that work. Right. And that's the thing that, you know, we were talking about earlier that I, you know, that I said, it's like, for right now, put a pin in it. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not time. You, you've got to do your work. You've got to get to a place where you're ready for that. And sometimes I think that we know we're ready for it because the unforgiveness stops us from being able to create and be fully self-expressed and really be able to love and come from our inner being the way we really want to. Right. Absolutely. And that, you know, it's, that's the, the dilemma is, you know, you don't want to push the process. And in the same breath, it, the unforgiveness is what's going to ultimately eat away at you. Yes. Yeah. And so I want to dip in here for a second, if it's all right, um, yeah. because I want to share you know, one of the things I want to I wanted to highlight with you in particular, Don, and the work mm -hmm. that you did with me, is um, how in the work when you're doing this kind of work, um, often it's that whole idea of what you resist persists, or what's in your way is exactly what there is to deal with. Yeah. Um, and so, what one of my biggest memories and biggest honoring moments of you and how powerful you were around this was when we first started working together, and there was something going on where you were stopped around the around the project and I couldn't I don't remember what that was I just remember there was a stalemate of some kind <laughs> yeah. and we started talking about the film and the film being about forgiveness and so I said to you do you have anything left to forgive do you remember that conversation yes oh. yeah and it's funny because I'd been asking myself that for a long time in the same breath having having to be accountable to respond <laughs> Was, right. was a whole different level because I was like, oh, maybe I have something no, to forgive. No, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, and I went through my little laundry list in my head, but to actually say it out loud to you, I think is what was one of those turning points where it was like, no, there's something. Yeah. 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 And, and for me that, that something had to do with the failure of a uh, a relationship that was both a business and a personal um, romantic relationship. And I thought I had processed that. And that's, that's one of the interesting things I think about forgiveness is that sometimes it can be done and you're like, you're done. 
it never yeah. comes back. And yeah. other times you get waves of like, oh, no, didn't finish that yeah. part of that. Yeah. And, and so with Jay asking me about, you know, what, what, is there anything that you need to forgive? I had this realization that I needed to process that, that, um, that ending uh-huh. more and really, really feel it really, uh, you know, so I, I ended up spending quite a bit of time over, over a day, actually just sitting in a coffee shop, writing a letter mm-hmm. and processing that way and, and discovering, interestingly enough, discovering the good from that relationship. And that was incredibly healing. Um, Cause I think when, when things like that happen, when, when relationships fail, it's very easy to look at all of the things where it went wrong. And that's very yeah. comforting. Oh yeah. Kind of build yourself up <laughs> yeah. all around you. Kind of like put your little, like, it's like a, kind of like a, a heavy blanket that you can kind of throw on and be like, all of this shows me why you suck. Uh, and this is why this relationship ended. <laughs> exactly. And here I am, the innocent good guy yeah. who was harmed. Right. <laughs> Look at this poor little person. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the problem with that, I mean, is also that then you're walking around going, I was a victim. Mm-hmm. You're just walking around saying over and over, I was a victim of this horrible thing that happened to me instead of being a participant in that thing. And, you know, not only... Not only owning that, not only owning my part in that, in the failure, but also owning the, these are the wonderful, incredible things that came out of that, mm-hmm. you know, and that, these are the wonderful things, these, you know, this is how this relationship started. This is why we got together. This was an incredibly healthy and wonderful relationship for quite a long time. And, and being able to remember it that way yeah, was huge. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it provided something when you, it's what's crazy to me about that is the how energetically those they're all connected. I mean, it's just, you know, you freed that up and then you started having breakthroughs around the film. Yeah. I mean, almost immediately. It was weird. It was, <laughs> it, it was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love it, though? So do you think that you were led to create a film around forgiveness because of the need to forgive or I mean how how did the film how did this come about I mean what what made you say I'm gonna I'm gonna do this film about forgiveness in this huge way yeah I mean absolutely it was every every film I do really is coming from this place of like either consciously or subconsciously this is something I need to work through you know, I'm drawn to topics where I'm like, whoa, I just woke up in the middle of the night. I can't sleep because this is just so important to me somewhere in my psyche. I will say that uh, what when I first started Risking Light, I was looking for stories of, um, of people changing their worlds, changing their lives in good ways. I had been working on a lot of documentary content historically where people had been victimized um, or people had uh, experienced great trauma, great loss. And, and these were kind of advocacy pieces. So it's like, look how this thing is failing in our world. Go contact your legislator. Go, you know, here. And, and what I really wanted was to find ways in which we could be powerful 
in our own lives and, and be able to make change immediately. And, um, so in that process, I met Mary Johnson, who is the mother in North Minneapolis, who, who forgave her son's killer. And, you know, sitting there in her living room and she starts telling her story. And next thing you know, we're all bawling and, and it's like, oh my God, this, this is it. This is it right here. Um, but you know, instead of just focusing on their story, which quite frankly could be its own film or miniseries, I mean, they're an amazing duo, Mary and O'Shea Israel, O'Shea, who, um, she now sees as, as her spiritual son. They, you know, they are, uh, tight. They're, they're like mother and son. Um, so their, their story in and of itself is profound, but I really, I felt like this is a universal pursuit. This forgiveness is more than Mary and O'Shea. And I think the danger in telling a story with just one example can be that people will hold Mary up on a pedestal and say, wow, she's amazing. I could never do that. Right. Look at that amazing lady. She's a superhero. And she is a superhero. But I think seeing more and more examples of other people processing in different ways, in different religious constructs, Mm -hmm. um, which happens in Risking Light, is is important because it, it takes away this, like, this is magical and can only happen to magical people mm-hmm. if that makes sense <laughs> oh totally totally oh well i just you know i just i want to stay on the theme of forgiveness for a bit because you know part of the part of my work and part of the work that i'm always asking you all to do is also about constant forgiveness for yourself and uh, for yourself and others but in particular for yourself i mean i just think that there's ample opportunity constantly to make ourselves wrong mm-hmm. and for me getting that I had to constantly, for me, I had to con- have to constantly forgive myself because I'm never living up to the expectation of myself that I have in my head. Like yeah. no matter what I do, I always fall short. I mean, ever. I'm not, I've never one time, like even, even the times when I go nailed it, right. I still later go, but I could have, <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's always that damn conversation in my head. And yeah. so even from that thing, when I do great too, I just yelled at my kid and that's not what I'm committed to, right? Do something that I really don't want to, don't want to do, you know, like could do something in my life that I'm not proud of. Um, I think that forgiveness for me is a real powerful tool to not dwell in pity and to not get into, you know, victimhood and martyrdom and all, just all of it. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, Don, from your perspective, and I mean, you've been saturating yourself in forgiveness. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a big topic of your life for quite a while during, during yeah. this film. Talk to me about your own forgiveness of self and how, how doing the work and how that, how that ha- is playing out in your life. They, you know, it's, it's still playing itself out and will continue to do so. Um, but I think for me, some of the, the self-forgiveness was actually around professional what I perceive to be professional failures. Um, and yeah, that whole, you know, on the outside, I was doing great PR for myself, but on the inside I was, I was like, Oh God, this thing just was so like half-assed. I can't believe I did that. And I can't believe, you know, and, and, and actually a lot of it was charged around money too. This like, um, that's where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going. (laughs) Financial failures or perceived failures, you know, why, how did it get to that point? How did it get to be so terrible? 
and I was so embarrassed about, you know, I mean, I had a, a very difficult time in my, probably about 10 years ago. It was, it was around the end of this relationship and business and it all kind of went, <laughs> you know, along with the economy simultaneously. It was like, oh, this is fabulous. You know, I had a lot of, yeah, blame of how did I ever let it get to that point? And in, in holding on to that, I kept myself in that position mm-hmm. for a yep. long time, you know, like with, with language around, you know, I, there's no money in documentary film. I can't fund these films because nobody funds a woman. Nobody funds, you know, it, there was a lot of, you know, I can't ask people for money because, you know, I don't want to make anybody feel like they're being pressured to fund me because I just... There was so much around the finances. Oh, yeah. That is an ongoing struggle for me, but it has shifted significantly in the last year. Yeah. And when we were working together, for example, I mean, we were kind of like almost towards the end of our work together, and we were we were doing the work to get you clean. A couple things. One was to get you clean from your own stories about money and stories about what funding was about and and its validity in the world and all of those things. And about the other thing, which is also part of doing the work is asking for what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So we did a lot of muscle flexing around asking for what you want. I did a lot of power poses 10 minutes before going into meetings. Yeah. One right in the middle of like a rather large, busy intersection, well, not in the middle of it, but on the corner of a very large intersection. And I kept thinking, I have got to look strange to these people. (laughs) But I put the timer on my phone and I held that damn power pose. Um, All right. (laughs) I love it. It was good. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that was incredibly important to just start asking and and to take the power away from the fear of it, you know, because... Uh, yeah, it's like, what are, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say, not right now. Or no. Maybe. Or no. Yeah. Or maybe they say, that's not my thing. But hey, I, I know somebody who that is their thing. Talk to them. Yeah. And then you've got a new avenue to go down. Um, and, you know, I think that that manifested itself the most in the decision about how much to ask in our crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Um, you know, Talk I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, so. Previously, I had done a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign for this film, and we raised about $10,000, and this was in 2012. And I felt very good about it, but I also knew that I'd set the $10,000 threshold because in the back of my mind, I was like, if I can't raise $10,000 for this film, I'm an idiot. You know, like, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't because that's the money I needed. It's because I was like, I'm pretty confident I can raise that money and it I won't be embarrassed. That's the safe amount to do because I'll be able to get 10,000 and I can say I got a fully funded campaign and nobody's going to look at me like I'm a crazy person because I asked for yep. 50. Yeah, and I didn't get it. Right. I totally it, know yeah. that feeling. Yep. So I picked a very safe target and we made it and it was, you know, it was still an awesome thing. But um going into this next campaign which was I believe we started, oh gosh, it was May, June, um, mid-May, I think is when it started. It's like, well, we really need 60. We need 60,000 to finish this film. And it's time. It's time that this film is done. And, you know, it kept hemming and hawing because, you know, you do the work of, like, who do I know that could get us to 60? I don't know that many people, you know. So balancing that, what, what do we need versus 
what do I think is possible? And then reframing the, the what is possible question. So I think it was right up until at least a month and a half before the campaign, before I was like, yeah, we're going to do 60. We're going to do 60. Because up until that point, I was still leaving it as, I can totally reduce this number. I, you know, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to commit to 60. I could totally commit to a lower number. And then, yeah, working through our conversations about, about money, about asking about why, why am I doing this? Why is this important? It, it became clear that no, it's 60. That's what mm-hmm. we need, period. We need 60. So yeah, we started the campaign in mid-May. And by the end, we had reached 60. Oh, that's awesome. And along the way, there was lots of like, I can't look at the campaign. I yeah. Can't look at it. <laughs> and letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. Letting it go. <laughs> there was a lot, a lot of letting go, a lot of affirming and knowing along the way. Right. We were affirming and knowing. Yes. And telling me to step away for an afternoon. And I'm like, no, I can't leave social media for an (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And making deals like you will not check until 8 p.m. tonight. Oh, God. (laughs) I remember that. You're not allowed to look at Facebook until 8 p.m. tonight. Yeah. That's just mean, Jay. Hey, man. (laughs) You can get obsessed about that stuff. And remember what you resist persists. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want her energetically like stopping the flow because of the worry. You know what I mean? Well, we're in the middle of a campaign. I'm on the board of directors for our suicide prevention hotline here in the state of Kansas. And we are at the zero part mark for funding. um, And we'll have to close at the end of December if we don't raise money. Um, And so we've got a $90,000 campaign and, that was my first immediate statement when he said, well, we need to do 90. I was like, oh, let's do 16. <laughs> I'm like, how is that even? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and I could hear Jay in the back of my head saying, well, there you go. You're going to get what you get if that's what you put out. And I was like, okay, 90. And so I've been doing the exact same thing. Like, I'm like, don't check it. Don't look at it. Don't think, you know, like just, you know, just yeah. put it out there and the world will happen. And yeah, you know, and we're way past 16 at this point, which makes me go, yep, nice. yep, yep. That's why we were supposed to do that. <laughs> so I'm feeling it as we speak, what you're talking about. Yeah, well, exactly. and I think putting out that aggressive number also signals to all those people that have supported you in the past that you're serious. And you're mm-hmm. serious in a way that you've not been serious before. And I mean, Watching, you know, I did comparisons between the previous campaign and the current, you know, most recent campaign. And people who donated 25 bucks were donating 250. Yeah. You know, like because they saw that this is serious. Like Dawn's not messing around right now. She needs this money. And, you know, it was, it was huge. I mean, the average donors were, it was around 150, $200. That's incredible. Yeah. I had no idea that was a possibility yeah so that's fantastic and didn't something else will you help me with my memory because wasn't there something else that you were because you were in the crowdfunding campaign and it wasn't crowdfunding right it was uh it was called seed and spark and so it was a crowdfunding yeah and it was for film film yeah right so it's not didn't weren't you also entered into a contest because you met your goal yes so there was this uh, contest called untold story that was um a contest between project Greenlight and seed and spark 
And it was to uh, the top 10 campaigns were then entered into a final contest and the number one campaign got an additional $20,000. And we did get into the top 10. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was um, that that was worth it. You know, I mean, like, no, we didn't get the additional 20,000. But we did get consultations with Project Greenlight. We got consultations with Seed and Spark. There are relationships that were built because of getting in the top 10 that made it completely worth this additional push that we were doing. Because we actually wrapped up our campaign, yeah, mid-June. But the Untold Story contest went until the end of end of June. So we're like, we raised our money, <laughs> but we're not done. <laughs> you know, yeah. There was an additional two-week push that was like, we know you've given money, but just follow us. Just follow us. Just follow us. Because yeah. it was based on followers on, on our uh, campaign page. So yeah, there was definitely an additional push there that was, whew, that was exhausting, but good. So what's next? So what's next? So you are in the middle of filming? Yeah, and, and, and where's the film? Yeah, how do we ah. find it? What's, tell us about that. <laughs> so we are in final post-production. Uh, we'll be wrapping by the end of December. It is uh, currently being, you know, seen by advisors and doing final revisions and things like that. But we are, we're past the big heavy lifting part of production. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really polishing at this stage, which is very exciting and um, planning for a premiere in 2017. So that's coming up faster than, than I had thought. <laughs> 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 it's just a couple months away That's there, Don. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps creeping up on me in a good way, but also like, oh dear God, there it is. So yeah, I mean, the the general public will be able to see this film in in 2017, and so now the I'm actually as I was going through the the notes from from our work together on the crowdfunding campaign, I'm like, oh, I get to launch another campaign now, which is the Come see the film. Yeah, uh, but this one I, I'm you know even more excited about because I think we have something really amazing to share with people, and so it's mm-hmm. like here it is. Yeah, here's here's what we we worked for. Well, as soon as we have you have access to you know like letting us know. I mean, is there a way we can support you around that? Like, can we put a, a a link on the doing the work page, or you know, how could we get involved in having? people see the film well yeah a link would be wonderful to our facebook page as well as the uh the film's website which is riskinglight.com okay um because that's where we'll be making announcements both on well facebook twitter and the film's website and yeah we'll be kind of sneaking out more information as we get closer so that's i think where people will be able to to see it. And, and once we get to that stage, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people to get involved. Part of our, our distribution uh, plan for this film is that it's not just a film that you see at festivals and go home and go, well, I feel good about myself having seen that film. (laughs) (laughs) But it also opens up opportunities for people to share their own stories, um, creating a social media campaign around people sharing their own forgiveness experiences and stories, doing educational events at colleges and universities and, you know, religious institutions. So we'll be opening up opportunities for people to show in their own communities and create dialogues with, um, we actually have a relationship with both the Charter for Compassion and the Forgiveness Project that are amazing NGOs that I approached while working with Jay because we were working on the I need to start talking to people Yep, I remember that. <laughs> and those 
relationships were developed in these organizations that this is what they do is education around compassion, education around forgiveness. So be able to have speakers from all around the world be able to be at screenings so that, you know, hey, you're in the UK and you want to screen this film. Great. We have five different people who have profound forgiveness stories that can come to that screening, have a panel discussion. Yeah. So this is really exciting. That's very powerful. That's amazing. I nice can't work. wait. We gotta get it. We gotta get it here, Lawrence J. Yeah, we've got. I'm sure we could get it at Liberty Hall, right? Oh yeah, we could figure that out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or get KU to sponsor it. One of them. Yeah, we can figure that out yeah. for sure. Let's just start manifesting that right now. We're gonna have okay, and then we'll get to meet, and it'll be so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. We've I've never even got to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> never met in person. No. So how did you hear about Jay? That's always a fun question. Yeah. No, it was a, a, a podcast. Uh-huh. Being boss, yeah. probably, right? Being yeah. boss, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, listening to that about this time last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah. Was that a year ago? Holy yeah. moly. Crazy. Isn't that insane? Something like that. Something like that. Wow. Yeah, well, thank you, John, for coming with us. We always close with uh, in a in a very particular way. Becky, you want to sh- sure. go first? Sure, yeah. Well, my question that I ask of our interviewees is, if you could share with uh, our listeners if they could be doing one thing or if there's a if there's a suggestion that you have for doing the work for staying in the work or even maybe around forgiveness what would that be as a motivator for our listeners wow doing the work or forgiveness these are big topics it's weird that i I say this but it's probably because i am getting over a cold that has been here for six weeks that that uh, manifested itself right after an incredibly highly stressful work situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, but I'm going to say self-care. Yeah. I'm actually going to get off this, uh, this conversation and spend the rest of the day just taking care of me because for you. that, that was one of the biggest things that I probably learned while working with Jay was that it's okay to step away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that you will come back much more powerfully after doing that. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, whether that means resting or I'm going to do a little bit of a, what is that, Netflix and chill today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Very like excited that. about it. Like a plan. That's fantastic. Very yeah. good. Well, and then I always get to end by acknowledging our guests. And, I, you know, as you said, self-care, I thought... Right on, because when we first started working together, that was not even on your radar. (laughs) You were like, I'm going to grind it out, man. Yeah. (laughs) Just going to keep going. I don't care if I'm sick, (laughs) right? Pretty much. So we only worked together for six months. And what you took on in six months was so incredibly powerful. And so I want to acknowledge you for, first of all, for being somebody who is willing to put yourself in it to transform yourself, to take stuff on, to be coachable, and to transform your life inside of who you are for the world. Because being a stand for forgiveness, like, like I, I, there are no words, right, for how powerful and important that work is right now. It's so important. It's vital to our existence right now. And you have turned yourself inside out to get that message out and who you are as a stand for all of us to come to that knowing of true forgiveness. And so I honor you and acknowledge you for being that person. And I'm so blessed to know you. Thank you for being on doing the work and for sharing yourself and your work with us. 
Thank you. I'm now like pinching my knee because I'm trying not to cry. Okay. Don't pinch. Spend <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the day chilling and Netflixing. <laughs> I appreciate oh. and love you both. Thank you so much, Don. It was wonderful to speak with you. And as always, everyone, please join us on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca, the Facebook page. Maybe we let's talk forgiveness. You know, what have you, how are you in that space? Where, what do you have to forgive? We all have something probably lurking in the background that we think we've we've worked through or, or maybe we have worked through and done that work. Share with us so that we can continue to learn from each other and grow from each other. And we will see you next time. Powerful week. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Bye. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We hope that you got a little slice of practical transformation that you can use in your personal and business life. And here's what we want to leave you with. Whether you are just starting on this journey of practical transformation and just starting with baby step affirmations just to focus you in a direction of loving yourself or whether you've been doing this work for a long time and you can literally say, I am thrilled with the path my life is on, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with right now, you're right where you're supposed to be. The thing that's in front of you is the thing that's going to have you at your most powerful once you accomplish it. And what I know and what we know is if you're willing to take baby steps with progress, not perfection, and just staying on that horse, you're gonna get there. And we're gonna get there with you. So thanks for being with us. Now, don't forget to go and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know what you think. And reach us at info at doing, uh, sorry, info at jayandbecca.com. And that will let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover or anybody you want us to interview, maybe you. You can reach us on our Facebook page too, right? Yep. Yeah, totally. So um, that's just facebook.com slash Becca. All right. We'll see you around next time. Bye, Thanks for joining Jay. us.